You've attended council hearings in person. You've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13. Now, you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council with your host, Josh Gibson. Thank you, deep voice person with a funky backbeat. Indeed, this is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the train track enclosed nerve center that is the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment. It's also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television, so it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the Council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media, at Council of DC. If you don't follow us already, get with the program. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the Council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the D.C. Council is just like your workplace, except with the dais. On the show, we'll try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. Now, listeners, we've wrapped up our first round and nearly our second round of interviews with council members. They're available on SoundCloud and iTunes. The first round focused mainly on getting to know the council members and their backgrounds. The second round is focused on their experiences, council process, learning curve, uh, surprises, and the ups and downs here at the council. And a disclaimer, we do share these questions in advance, and council members can always pass on answering a question. So now, without any further ado, let's go to our guest, Councilmember at Large Anita Bonds, for her second round hearing the council interview. Welcome back, Councilmember well, Bonds. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, you know, we'll see where we go with this. We'll see where we go. <laughs> we had we had good fun last time. I think it was a popular interview, and uh, and we're hoping this one is just as popular and just as fun. All right. So, uh, you know, it's. Always, uh, it's always fun to ask uh, uh, an elected official about a success they had. And uh, so we want to start off with kind of an underhand softball pitch and give you an opportunity to brag on something that you're super proud of. I am super proud of the outpouring of support that I received in the most recent election. Um, I had no idea that I felt like I might come in, I would be um, one of the victorious candidates, but I had no idea that I would be first. Um, and, and I'm very thankful for that, very proud of it. Um, in fact, I've been very proud of my journey as an elected official. Um, maybe pride is not the right word, but I've been very, very um, um, excited about what it can mean. Um, my lifetime in the District of Columbia as an adult has been focused on um, service. 
um, I can recall many, many years ago when I was sitting in the mayor's office and we were talking about taking the SWAT test. And, you know, he said, Anita, he says, you know, you're a strange kind of person. You know, you're an A person, but you're really also about service. What does that mean? I said, well, I think, you know, service is very, very important, and I try to help in any way I can. And so um, today I try to do that. And so being an elected official in the District of Columbia means that I am here to uh, not just give back um, be, for my many years of, of being a resident of the District of Columbia, but it really is an opportunity to try and make things better. I'm an excellent listener, and I try to take that information that you share with me and others share with me and come up with a solution. I like to problem solve. Yeah, it is an interesting combination of skill sets when you're a public in a leadership position in public service, because in public service, you're surrendering yourself to the service of others, but you can't completely surrender yourself because you need to take that mantle of leadership on and, uh, and move forward with it and exercise the leadership it takes to accomplish the goals of others. So it's, it's an interesting give and take. It is, it is. Um, and, and are there any um, particular policies in your, your time in office that, that you think that you've been able to uh, a score a victory for the public on that you'd well, like to I, highlight? I've, it can be a little one or a, okay, or a big one. Okay. I've, I've had some, some victories, uh, victories for our senior citizens, um, certainly, and, and victories for our um, tenants and homeowners. Um, so I've tried to be uh, all around looking at the various agencies in my committee and trying to be responsive to their needs. Affordable housing is tough. Everyone knows that because the economy continues to, to grow and it continues to increase in cost. Um, so everyone's affected by that. So now I'm, I'm looking at, yes, I'm continuing to look at those who live in rent control properties because that is the lion's share of our tenants in the District of Columbia. But I'm also looking at the high cost of the new chrome and and uh, concrete um, and, and glass buildings that we have. And that cost is unbelievable. When I tell people who are from other parts of the country what the average rent is and how much it costs per square foot, they're like, wow. They can hardly believe it in little old D.C., you know, because we're not Chicago or New York City or even, you know, San Francisco or Los Angeles. But, yes, we are a very, um, we're a pretty expensive uh, city when we talk about housing and probably some of the other goods that, you know, citizens um, need. And it's also a challenge because... Uh the two are inversely related, that the more successful we become by some metrics, the harder it becomes, the more people want to live here, and the harder it becomes to live here. And then conversely, back in some of the more challenging days we lived, it was more affordable to live here, but it was in some ways a less attractive place to live. And yes. you solve one thing, yeah. and you think it's a victory, yeah. and then you start losing the other battle. 
Yeah, and 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 you're right. Um, when we think about the growing economy in the District of Columbia, we have to remember that we we want to grow so that all of our residents have an opportunity to continue to live here. And one of the biggest arguments in the community now is that uh, the high cost or the escalating cost of living is pricing everyone out of the city. Um, and to some degree, it could very well be that if we don't put uh, brakes on, and that's where I think the government um, has a a major role to play. Uh, We put, um, as you know, uh, Mayor Bowser um, has dedicated $100 million to the Housing Production Trust Fund, which is the biggest bucket that we have for producing affordable housing. Um, $100 million has been spread in many different ways. It's used for new construction, you know, a portion will go to a new construction project and a portion maybe will go to uh, a renovation. Um, and all of that's good. But what we really need is more of that, those dollars. So when I talk to my colleagues and I say, well, I would like to get more money for housing. And they say, well, we need more money for transportation. We need more money for the environment. We need more money for, you know, the big one of the big buckets like homelessness, uh, attacking those kinds of issues. So it's really uh, how do we as a government and a community um, take care of the most immediate needs and plan for the future? And so that's the big challenge. Right. And also, I think something else that's smart is there's obviously big victories like you know, 100, 100 million for the Housing Production Trust Fund, but something else that, that your committee's done is the loss of affordability can be death by, by a thousand or a million cuts, whatever the expression is. There's a lot of little things that hurt affordability, and slowly but surely, you're turning off each of those problems. You know, the fact that how much rent is allowed to increase every time there's a vacancy. Yes, yes. When, when I first moved into D.C., I only came for three months for the summer, and I'm a truthful person, and I told the landlord I'm only going to be here for three months, figuring they'd say, no way, we don't want you in our building. It was only after the fact I realized they were grateful to have me, because if I moved in and moved out three months later, they could bump the rent twice. They bumped it rent once when just prior to me moving in, Mm -hmm. and a second time. I didn't realize I was hurting affordability by doing that. Oh, yes. But, you know... Things like that, and um, you know the amount that it can be increased annually. That they they may seem like there are percentages here, percentages there, but those add up, and that kills affordability. And you're slowly closing those things that are hurting affordability. You you are 100% correct. And so looking at um, the vacancy um, increases that landlords can take has been, you know, a big, um, exciting um, a success for us. Um, and we kind of caught maybe everyone off guard. They didn't think we were going to get it done, but we did. And I'm so proud of that. Um, we have had other successes like with the eight HPAP um, program, we've been able to uh, increase that amount from uh, originally it was 
30,000, then it went to 50, and now it's at 80, and I'm trying to get it to 120. Because when we're talking about ownership in the District of Columbia, the medium house is at over $500,000. Even the condos are... Um, escalating very rapidly. Uh, I would say the average uh, condominium now of two bedrooms would be very close to five, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000. So it's the same as if it were a standalone um, single you know, um, uh, structure. So it, it means to us that we've got to do, we've got to do something about that. And what do we do about it? We've got to make sure that if we are going to help um, um, ownership opportunities in the city, that we spend money to do that. And that means we've got to increase the uh, amount of money for first-time home buyers. Why? Because I want you to become a homeowner so you will pay property taxes. The money will then go back into the system and another person can become a homeowner. So, you know, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm looking at, I'm trying to look at what we do in dollars and cents, but at the same time trying to address some of these glaring issues that have been around for a little while or like topa issues or something that we can anticipate if if this continues as you say escalating you know compounding you know over a period of years then we end up having priced the residents of the district out of the city because still the majority of our residents are renters Um, they're tenants they're not homeowners Right. And going back to something you said earlier about HPAP, how, how the prior amount had been $30,000, a parking space now is twenty five dollars to $50,000. A house for your car. Yes. You know, yes. so that number clearly is a dated, dated number that yes. needs to go up dramatically as, as you're trying to take You know, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because people need to understand what we're really dealing with. When we talk about how rents are escalating or ownership opportunities are escalating, we're talking big numbers now. Um, and I was talking with um, uh, some officials on the executive side, and I said, well, you know, uh, we have $7,200 a month rent down by the O Street Market. Um, It's two bedrooms, two bath. And they said, yeah. And then you go over to where the old Hine um, school was, and it's $8,300 a month. And then they said, well, wait a minute. It's $13,000 a month down at the wharf. And I'm like, stop, stop. It's, it's too much. And even when you talk to uh, members of the business community and, and they hear these numbers, people don't understand that for the new structures, that's what it really, those are the kinds of uh, rates that are, are before us. For older properties that are probably under rent control or, you know, were built after 1976 because rent control only con, you know, contains those units built prior to 1976. So those units tend to be uh, more moderately p- priced, but a two-bedroom will easily be three, four thousand dollars. Sure. 
Okay, now we talked uh, <clears throat> talked at length about successes. Now, why don't we talk a bit about a struggle, a setback, a defeat, um, <laughs> something that you learned from that maybe didn't go your way, maybe just initially, maybe something you turned around. Um, but I think those are sometimes can be just as important as the as the uh, slam dunk victories. Uh, any of those come to mind? Well, you know, when I began this journey as wanting to be an elected official, I never really looked at, you know, the opportunity of doing that. I was very, very satisfied um, being in the background and making things happen. I'm your campaign manager. I'm your, you know, executive assistant. I'm that person who will make whatever the dreams of the boss are to happen. And so when I had the opportunity, I... um, Um, I thought, well, if not now, when? And what better opportunity to be to be of greater help to your community. So I did it, and so I, but I did it with great tribulation, great concern, not knowing where where it was going to go, but I was successful. But when I think about um, challenges where I haven't been able to to make it, make it work is this process of government is very, very slow. And uh, while at the council level, our responsibility is the budget, it's, you know, policy making, we do not have the magic wand that can say, you and this agency do this, you do that, we all come together and we're going to figure this out and we're going to solve this problem. We don't, we can't, we don't have that, that authority. And so uh, sometimes I, I get a little nervous about the time that it takes to, to get something done, especially when people are suffering. And there are people who are suffering every day in this community, not just with housing, because you've heard some of the ugly stories uh, about the so-called bad actor um, landlords and things like that. Um, but, you know, they're my seniors, for instance, and I say my seniors because my mom is 95, so... I, I have to I have to care and care deeply. And so with seniors, there's so many seniors that we feel are isolated. We know that they're in the community or they were there five years ago. The lights in the home still come on, but no one's really giving them attention and that concerns me the isolation issue because that is a big drag on their futuring of feathering their their health so i'm a little concerned about that from either your <clears throat> constituent service work or from hearings are there any just uh, examples of heartbreaking stories that come to mind just really tragic uh, sad stories that that you've come across people who are struggling. um. Well, there have been a few that have been, um, you know, and it's not not what I would consider your usual story. Uh, Individuals who, um, uh, through their avocation of a uh, change in a situation, they um, actually ended up losing their home. 
we've had a couple of persons that have come down to the council. This whole issue about TOPA mm -hmm. and single households that have over the years been under TOPA. And we had a woman to come in and she explained how she really needed to sell her house fast. Her mother was in very poor health and um, she tried to get her tenant to understand and the tenant sold her rights to an attorney who said, we will get Mary Smith out of your unit, but you've got to pay me 30000 Okay, so she did that, and then the tenant decided on something else, and so the woman ended up losing her house, um, having, um, uh, she had a tremendous loan because she borrowed money to pay, and it was just those kinds of things are where um, things are things are wrong. We take advantage of each other, and it shouldn't be that way. I mean, I know society is, you know, there's the good and the bad. We always talk about that as people, but it's still, it's very depressing. Yeah, we just all hope we're never tested the way yes. some of those folks yes. are, where you just... Yes. Any one thing someone like that yeah. faces is enough to break you. Yeah. And then you pile two or three of those things. Up. Yeah. And I've had, I had um, a group of older teenagers um, to visit my office a couple of years ago, and they talked about how every night they are couch surfing. Um, and I'm like, how can this be? You look fine and what have you. And they... So they shared a lot with me. And um, so there is uh, poverty still in the District of Columbia, as you well know. Um, the rest of the country, poverty is going down. In D.C., it just, it's just moving up, you know. And now we got the homicide. It's shot up. So, you know, the homicide rate. And so these things, it tells us that our community still needs a great deal of attention. We are not utopia yet. You know, we may have a lot of uh, revenue flowing in, um, but we have to remember since we do not um, grow a crop, we do not manufacture anything, that the money we get is from the people that are in the district and around the region that come and use our restaurants and spend a little money here and there. That's how we make it with our taxes. Um, and so I, I hope we all understand that, you know, to keep the taxes rolling, we've got to have the people in the city. And that means we, the government, have to strive to do the best that we can to keep people in the city. Sure. Um, now, to go to the other end of the uh, emotional spectrum, we had a sad moment, but if we're going to ask people to listen on the radio to about municipal government, we can't keep them in the sad zone no, for too long. No, 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 no. So let's bring them back. Um, can you think of any uh, any lighter-hearted moments uh, in hearings uh, with colleagues uh, any time you had a good, a good laugh? Um, at the expense of a colleague, with a colleague, uh, with a citizen. We have had lots of laughs, and what comes to mind, uh, situations where, uh, for instance, when we had the very long uh, into the morning hearing 
on the comprehensive plan uh, framework that was presented to to uh, to the council. There's nothing says humor like the comprehensive plan. <laughs> Listen, we were there. I believe we were there until was it. Was it 4.45, 3.45, something like that. Oh, yeah. We lost track of time. But, you know, it was. I was glad that I was able to, to remain there. The chairman, of course, was chairing the meeting. And um, he was like... Are you gonna you gonna stay? I said I'm not gonna leave you here alone. It would not have been right. So you know, there, what do you say? There's honor among thieves, right? <laughs> yeah, no. There's this. I, I do like those long meetings because people get a little punchy and a little giddy. Oh and, yes, uh, yes. And it can be kind of fun. Uh, well, we're starting to run a little short on time. Um, okay. So just a couple quick questions, right. and then we'll go to our our fun closeouts, and then we're then okay. we're good to go. Um, so uh, people talk a bunch about council process, you know, and you talk about a little bit how it's a, it's a struggle to uh, the timing of it and how it takes so much time to get things done. Um, can you give me any ideas off the top of your head? Uh, are there any things the council has a procedure that, that you're grateful for? Something that might seem dry to folks, uh, might seem procedural, but that you're glad it's there. I'm glad that we are required by the nature of our work, um, being on a dais, being in a fishbowl, so to speak, to be respectful of each other. Um, my history in the city goes back to oh, a few, well, to home rule. And I can recall um, uh, some of the early council meetings um, did not have the Sunshine Act in play, which means that, you know, you can be observed and if you have a quorum, then, you know, the media is there, et cetera. But it was a time when um, uh, the council members uh, were not always congenial. Um, they certainly were um, showed animosity from time to time towards each other, throwing of ashtrays across the big table, you know, as an example. Yeah, I've heard that story. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad it doesn't mean there's not animosity, but there's something to be said about needing to maintain uh, yes. at least yeah. an appearance of decorum. Exactly. And... At the council today, we have, um, you know, the audience is there, um, which is very good. Um, I think it's also good that we hear through the electronic mail services from zillions of people about their feelings on an issue. I'm just not so happy with those um, stayed messages. You know, be a little creative. Don't use the same form letter and send sure. it. But when it's a very... When it's a very important issue, we hear from a lot of constituents. Um, and so that's good. That tells us a lot about what's on the minds of you know the population and we should and we should know that and we should try to show some respect towards that. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's quickly go to the okay. uh, the closeout round, the fun, okay. the fun All stuff. Right. <laughs> Last time I had you rank desserts. This time, okay. I'd like you real quickly okay. to uh, please do at least two of the following. Um, do an impression. Tell a joke. 
Tell us about a strange thing you collect. Tell us about an oddball job you had. Tell us about one ludicrous thing you can't live without. Tell us about your weirdest family member. Or shower me with effusive praise. Okay, I'm going to shower you with praise um, because I think that always helps. And it's always <laughs> a good too. measure. <laughs> That's why it's on So there. you're fabulous. You're <laughs> wonderful. Um, we all look forward to um, being in the fishbowl with you. Um, we try not to pick our nose when you're doing uh, photographs in the council meetings. Much appreciated. Um, but we, we, we love the fact that you're here and you're making the connection between the council and the community. And that's very, very valuable. So just want you to know that. Much appreciated. Okay. All now, right. oddball job. I think I need to tell you about... Um, there too, but one that you might be interested in. Uh, once I um, had a summer job for, uh, I was a student, summer job for three days, three and a half days. And um, I was put on the soda fountain. Okay. And there was this gentleman who came in every day and he had a chocolate cream soda. Mm-hmm. And there's a way you do turn the little gizmos. I'm not mechanical. Okay. okay, number one. Analytically, I'm your person. Mechanically, I when I took tests, I had to follow the gears with my finger, you know. I mean, seriously. So you're you're to pull it as the lever a certain way, and every time each of those three days, I got it wrong. So they finally said, you have to be on the cash register. We cannot <laughs> have you mix anything. You're not, you're not pulling sodas. <laughs> where, where was this? Do you remember where the soda fountain was? It was, it was the Old People's Drugstore. Oh, okay. Yeah, Old okay. People's Drugstore, now CVS. Gotcha. Now CVS. Yeah. Gotcha. I, 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 wish I, I wish there were still soda fountains. Yeah. I would appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. And the hot shops. And oh, yeah, exactly. Mighty Moe's and things like that. Yeah. yeah. That we remember from our... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, the time's gone quickly, so we're out of time. All right. Um, but thank you again, Council Member, for joining us, and thank you, listeners. Uh, please tune in again next time. We're at DC Radio at 96.3 on your HD4 dial or at dcradio.gov. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. Thank you. Bye-bye.